Welcome to BizBody. I'm your host, Keith, and Mel joins us on the show today to talk about her previous profession. We go over her updated scheduling process. We also, <laughs> if you wonder about eating like a savage, what that's all about, and Alex Hormozzi and Acquisition.com and some of the tools that he has over at that website. Detecting your path and making decisions is a big part of any practitioner's um, work. So we go over some different strategies in order to make sure that you're getting in, going in the right direction and making sure that you don't freak out and shut down. So lastly, what you as a practitioner is taking responsibility for and how you're explaining that so you can relate and connect to your clientele. This and more on this episode of BizBody. Enjoy, everyone. What's up? Hi. How you doing? I'm great. <laughs> doing awesome. <laughs> what um what's what's been awesome? Um I just I don't know. I just everything's been great. Like I've like I had a had a good week with clients. I had a good week with feeling like I'm learning a lot of stuff. I exercised four times last week. Been walking my dog every day. It's just What kind it's of just dog? Good. Oh, he's a mutt. He's every dog that needs a job in one dog. It's really, um, really adorable. He looks like a, he looks like a regular dog with short legs. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he looks like people think he's a Corgi mix. Um, but he's like, like lab sized, but with tiny Corgi legs. Hmm. It's really interesting. <laughs> What's his name? Kevin. Kevin, I love yeah. I love that he's got like a, a real dude's name. Oh yeah. Like, like oh my Bob. gosh. I have to tell you. Um when he was a puppy, I took him to the dog park once and I was like he didn't listen to me. He wasn't a good listener when he was a puppy. And so I was at the dog park and I was like, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. And uh and this guy from across the park is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, my dog just spoke to me. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was like my favorite moment. <laughs> I love it. Kevin having a real person name. <laughs> so any, any, any wins um, this week with clients? Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I have had some pretty big, I, I, I think that the thing that I've been really celebrating is that a lot of my clients that I've been spending more time on the table with have been seeing some really major progress. Um, mm. I had one, uh, one client whose uh, SARS was completely clear, like on the, when she got on the table mm. for the first time ever, I've mm. uh, been seeing her for like, uh, seeing her for like, I mean, we've been on and off, honestly, but for about five months, I've been seeing her on and off once a week. And mm. um and it was just really, really cool. I was like, I was like, is your stars clear right now? <laughs> I got her on the table and I was like, do you want to just work out? Cause we could. So <laughs> it was, it was a huge win. And then, um, I have another client who, um, has just, she's been struggling with some pretty major, um, pretty major trauma and some pretty major stuff that has happened to her neck. And she's been just feeling awesome. And it's just when somebody walks in the room and they're feeling awesome, 
it's just mm. such a big win for everybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love seeing my clients happy. And so it's just been, it's been really cool. I've been, I've had, had quite a few um, clients who've had turning points um, really recently. So it feels like I'm doing my job and like, that, I'm. That's fantastic. That, that, that's fantastic. Yeah. Now this is, this is an interesting spin on that. I was going to ask you. So when you're, doing work that's great that you that like client feels is great yeah and you're doing work that makes you feel good how do you is there anything that you do specifically to even yourself out so the highs don't get too high and the lows don't get too low um i don't really have a problem with feeling um like i don't ever really feel like i'm good at anything so it's not really a problem for me. <laughs> I just use the phrase, I'm never good enough. <laughs> uh, That's hilarious. So it's and if I do feel really good, it's 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 really just a matter of minutes before something happens where I'm like, oh right, I don't I don't know anything. Um, <laughs> but but I but I do love to celebrate with my clients. It's just it's one of my favorite things. And it's like one of the biggest reasons that I do what I do and that yeah. I've been like, so attracted to this line of work and why this fills my bucket. Cause it's mm. just like, it's really truly helping people and changing their lives. Like the, the number of people who come into just AMR in general and are like, and are like, nobody's ever listened to me the way that you guys do. Mm. And Nobody has ever, like, when I go to doctors, they dismiss my pain and they tell me, oh, you know, you're overthinking things, but, you know, um, we care about all the little sensations that they have and we write it all down and it all matters. And so it's, I think that people just really like feeling heard and, um, and it, it, they trust you when they feel heard and listened to, and they know that you care. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's a good way to put it. No, what, um, what ways had your past um profession <laughs> how has that influenced everything now since who you worked with before they couldn't really they couldn't talk to you they couldn't like use words right and maybe maybe explain to the to the uh, <laughs> listeners what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so before I became, um, before I became a, um, an exercise professional, um, I had a completely different career as a zookeeper, um, animal trainer and science educator. Um, so I did that for about 17 years. Um, I specialized in birds of prey. So like hawks and falcons and owls, I didn't do a whole lot of work with eagles. Um, I used to love vultures, um, and, uh, and I worked in, in a, in a, for a long time, for 10 years at a zoo where we specialized in California native non-releasable animals. So they were, um, a lot of different types of animals, but, um, but really, um, my, my jam was the birds. Um, and so, so I worked, I worked with them for a really long time and, uh, <laughs> I feel like in a lot of ways, and I, I hope I don't, I hope I don't offend anybody by saying this, but in a lot of ways, I feel like it's the same job, like not the zookeeping part, but just like the, the, the communication and building relationships and um, like, and understanding where some 
one or something is coming from and being able to change a behavior or being able to, there's just so many things that, that I think were kind of crossovery. Um, and, uh, <laughs> when, uh, when I was first approached to, uh, to be a trainer, it was really easy to, I, I had a leg up on, on a lot of people. So I was already really observant. My animals never were able to tell me what was wrong. You have to just notice these little nuances in their body language. Um, and, uh, you have, especially when it comes to building a relationship, you have to think about the, the personal history of the animal. Did this particular animal, especially with the non-releasables, did this particular animal have some kind of trauma um, where they would be freaked out about what you're doing right now? Yeah. Um, and do I need to take a step back? What am I going to reward this animal with? Is this animal going to be motivated by food? Is this animal going to be motivated by me leaving? Um, you know, what is it that I'm going to give to this animal to ha- help me gain a relationship with them where they can trust me and we can have a good life together? So, yeah. Sounds like food's a big motivator for a lot of animals. As is kind of is, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's like, wow, that food, man, it just gets me. Oh, man. But not everybody, not well, everybody thing, likes it's like, mouse guts, though. But that's just it. Like, it's interesting to me because, like, uh, food has never been a thing that that was the main motivator for me ah. in, any, in anything. Like, I think food, it's interesting because I was talking with uh, Tom Purvis about this once, and he's like, man, just – Food takes too long to eat. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it's like I, I, I like being I like consuming and being done and I can do other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the things in my life that I enjoy doing is, isn't the consuming of food. It's like it's just it's a thing for energy and building blocks and a little bit of taste. And then I'm like, okay, I'm done with it. I'm good. Let's go do stuff. Let's I'm- have fun. in your boat. Do you, um, do you by any chance eat standing up, hovering over your kitchen counter, like a savage? Um, is that just me? Okay. It it just, it just changes, right? Well, I mean, you're a straight savage to begin with. So what's what's the difference (laughs) now? Not like what, what is interesting is I will, depending upon how hungry I am, like I will find myself looking at other people's plates. I'm like, hey, what do they have? What do they like? I don't have any more on my plate, but they have some on their plate. I need their energy. They don't need their energy. I need their energy. It's me. It's all about me. You're going to eat that? <laughs> That's right. And they kind of look at me like, um, are you still hungry? <laughs> I'm like, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I am completely the same way. I don't really, I'm not really, um, motivated by, um, by food so much. I mostly just do it cause it's a thing I need to do in order to like survive, which yeah. is why actually one of my needs was eat food. Cause I will just not do it. And then I'll remember and I'll be starving and then I'll hover over my kitchen counter with like a whole rotisserie chicken <laughs> and just eating it with my hands. <laughs> sometimes I, sometimes I go to HEB and I, and I get the chicken and I can't even get home before I'm eating. I'm just eating it in my car. You know, you're the person like right outside in the parking lot, just tearing apart a a rotisserie chicken, like bones and skin flying everywhere. I feel like you really know me. (laughs) I I was just talking about me. What are you talking about? (laughs) So so this week, this week with these wins um, and Mm. the 
the idea of what we talked about last time with with the schedule and yeah owning it on your schedule what what has been a couple of really key points that you've done this week um, okay. So I actually, um, after we talked, I thought so much about our conversation and, um, it, it I decided that I wanted to color code, this is going to sound really trivial, but, um, I wanted to color code my planner. Mm. And so I color coded my planner and, um, and I, and I took all the little empty spaces in between all of my have to do work appointments and things like that. And I added in the things that I wanted to do. Hmm. Um, and then I actually took the, the, the color coding and I perfected this over the course of the week. The color coding allowed for me to see how much stuff for me I was doing in my hmm. day um, versus what I was doing, you know, in the, the need to do category, the things that I, that I didn't, the things that I felt were obligations. And then I started reducing the things that I felt were obligations because I was like, I have a choice in this. This is not an obligation. Um, and so it's, it's a process because I've, I've always been a work addict. I've always been a more than one gig, 50 to 60 hour work week, eat while I'm standing up kind of girl. Um, but <laughs> But, uh, but it's, I still have other things that I like to do and that I want to get to. And so I've been kind of trying to shift my mindset from being like all the work things and all the learning things to being like, yeah, but you gotta, you gotta put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and like, what I love about this is there was a, this guy named Alex Hormozzi, 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 Alex Hormozzi. And, and he's got some amazing stuff on, um, if you're a gym owner or like he was, he was the creator of something called gym launch. It, it was like how to take your gym into, um, into a system so that you can, um, you can leverage space and time and money so that you're actually profitable. Mm. And, um, but he's got like all this stuff now from acquisition.com. That is just a, a treasure trove of stuff that, that if you're running a business, um, it, it, coming back down to habits like okay so if if this is my goal um what do i need to do in order to 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 get to not even really goal like this is what i want for my future what are the things that are necessary to happen in order for that future to, to materialize mm -hmm. and and he said that which was really interesting it's like it's not the stuff that the the gym owner or the person with the full schedule or the million dollar billion dollar corporation owner um or CEO, what's, it's not that they do more, it's that they, they actually do a lot less. They, they're doing a lot less of the stuff that just doesn't need to be done. And they're focusing primarily on one or probably like one or two things that just matter most out of that whole scenario. And, and, and it seems as though the, the, the first part is, okay, what is the habit or scheduling the habit that makes that happen? And then having a debriefing process to say like, am I getting closer? And if I'm not being able to switch gears fast, it's like, can I switch the gear on this thing? Because like, if it's, if I'm not getting the results I want with my people, my schedule's not going to be full. And if, if I'm, if I'm, um, not staying up on, uh, on communicating with my people, they're not going to be retained with me. 
And then if, um, if I'm not, if I'm not taking time for myself, I'm going to feel lethargic. You know, it's like, so it's each one of those pieces comes with uh, a well-rounded, okay, this is, this is, this is my, my brand or my business. And this is my, my own personal, um, this is the direction that I need for me. Um, so there's something you said to me, um, that was really powerful. Um, and it was, I asked you how you were able to maintain balance. And you were like, I don't believe in balance. I believe in prioritizing. Mm -hmm. And I just, that, that was one of the things that stuck with me during the week. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I just think that that's so, it's so important to know what it is you really want. Like what's the end goal? here yeah and um and i uh i really enjoyed i really i really enjoyed listening back on the podcast that we did mm. last week um and realizing kind of how how i wasn't balancing my like i, I wasn't i wasn't finding my own priority that i wanted to focus on you didn't know what and you wanted i didn't well that the thing is here's the thing i've been so um, I've been so in hustle mode, especially since 2020, right? Cause I, I lost all my jobs and I needed to start a business to like save my own ass and all this stuff. Mm. Then I got into this new field and then I basically like, I've just been learning and I was in this, like save myself mode, <laughs> just in this survival <laughs> mode. Yeah. And now I'm like, now I'm good. I'm comfortable. I'm, you know, I'm settled. My business is doing great. I'm doing great at AMR too. And and everything is good. So why am I still freaking out? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't need to scarcity. do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, the, scar the scarcity um, fear mindset is tough. It's really tough. And it's, and it's not like you can just all of a sudden turn it over to abundance. It's literally, you can use that as, as fuel, you know, in, in order to get yourself where you want to be. And, and it's like, well, what, what does that destination even look like? You know, and, and one person was asking me, it was like, um, when I first started out in this field, most people don't know, um, like how I started or where I started, right? Like it was primarily in, in the field of athletics. I went to school to become an, like a strength and conditioning coach. And I, and I mm -hmm. had an amazing start at the International Performance Institute for Tham Gene Company in, in, um, in Florida. So where I met one of my, um, one of my colleagues that I started a business with just working with like professional athletes and collegiate athletes and youth athletes. And it was like, when, when I, when I was down that path, it was like, I, this is, this is where we had medical, we had nutrition, we had supplements, we had, um, almost everything at our disposal. I'm like, this is, this is the way, like a holistic approach that makes a whole lot of sense. And that was in 2000, right? Like that was in, that was in 2000 where all that was already together, uh, where, where my friend Pete still does that to to a higher degree now out out in um uh, the the fort lauderdale davy area aventura area and it's like i i never brought that here because unless like that there's too many moving pieces there's too much to be accounted like to to account for but i'm just like then all of a sudden you get somebody in the shop that's not feeling good and their their serum osmolality is like way off and you know they're completely dehydrated and you're like well if you're completely dehydrated how how do you know you're dehydrated in what way and what other type of teammates do you have in order to help that person like 
objectively and subjectively get where they they want to go and i realized oh like i there's there's another level i, I want to play at rather than um also figuring out how to use exercise uh, dosage appropriately because you know, there's there's the exercise dosage appropriation problem there's a communication problem and there is this bioenergetics um immune neuro um chemistry problem right like what it would be like um immune neuro endocrine problem right so it's like what, what what do i what can i do about that like i'm not a physician but like i i could know more about it so i could refer to people if i just saw a, a place a basic blood panel and then like whoa like maybe seeing a specialist would really help you know <laughs> so it like the putting it back into what is the vision of this thing that, that I, I want to create um, the perfect day for me in order to make sure that I'm getting closer and closer to that. I'm using these habits to get closer to this vision of this future thing that I want to have. And then um, is it repeatable? Like what are the steps that it, it took me for me to get there? So in case um, it, I just want it to be me or I want it to be more than me, that it's repeatable. Those are, those are, those are huge steps that a, that a lot of people in this field are like, well, I don't really, I don't really do that side of it. That's, that's for somebody <laughs> else. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's like saying, it's like saying marketing. It's like, I don't really, I don't like, I don't really get marketing. It's not like, if you don't get marketing, you don't, you don't get communicating to your own client. Right. Cause like half of marketing is the mar the marketing is the person literally is telling you how they feel because you've asked them how they felt. And they're telling you their results and you're like, oh, cool. Do you have anyone that you want to share your results with? <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> it's, it's like that simple. It's like, oh, you've had, you, oh, you, you had one of the best sessions uh, that you've ever had. And you saw something that was remarkable that you never thought was possible. Would you want to share that with somebody? So, um, so when it comes down to, sorry, so I, so I'm new to the business thing and I actually, mm. actually, um, I'm just not sure that I, that I, so are you talking about marketing as in like social media marketing or are you talking about? Yeah. Like you, just, you're starting to see the problem, relationship. right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. It's, it's like this marketing thing is, is, is a, it, it isn't the word that what people are used to, as far as the word goes, it's like the, the idea of marketing could be a, a whole slew of different things. It could be, mm -hmm. um, it could be what you do with your, 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 first and foremost like how to like how to talk about what it is that you do right like mm -hmm. how how do you put what you do into a sentence uh it could be your mission like what is what is your mission what is your vision those are all your messaging along with okay who who do you normally attract like who they call it the ideal client avatar stuff um and overall, it, it becomes more about you really feeling comfortable with understanding what you do and being able to say what you do to a person that uses your service or product in a way that just it, it like it's at third grade level. It's like it's so simple. It's like it's just super simple. Like and it's somebody, relatable to them. Yeah, completely to them. Because that could be very, very different from person to person. Right. So it's like if, if you're if you're solving a specific problem, like most people that come in here, like we work with people that they haven't got the results they were looking for because of previous medical conditions, uh, surgeries, hip replacements, and they're looking to stay active for the rest of their life. Like that's what we do. 
right? And we just use very specific exercise to solve those problems where other people may overlook it. So it's like- that I was gonna ask you if you had a little, I was gonna ask you if you had a little thing that you say, that was, that was really good. You no, know, I, I, I simplified <laughs> even more too. Like yeah. when people are like, well, what does that really mean? I'm like, well, it means that, that you work so that you get to play while other people have to sit and watch. That's really, really powerful. I mean, that, that visualization mm -hmm. for somebody, especially for somebody who's just not where they want to be or who's afraid of losing that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, especially that's... if they want to play too, yeah. because there's people out there that don't care about play. They don't care about using their bodies. They just want, they just want to get out of pain um, where the pain is the indicator that something is not right, you know, and, and, and usually what's not right is some sort of chemical, physical, neuro, inflammatory, like inflammatory thing. That's like, it's a combination of a whole bunch of stuff. So it's like, it's not just like one thing that's going to solve that problem. People are, um, yeah, they, they often are looking for a, a magic pill, like a, like they're like, oh, so, so can you. You, you get somebody who walks in and they're like, so can you fix me? <laughs> yeah, fix the fill fixing, right? And Can and you I, fix me? And I, and I do think that um, there are more people now than there were before, like, I mean, like 10 years ago, that see that there are these compounding systems that are in play and, and, and they want to know more about it. And what's really interesting is that scientists are learning more and more every day about these systems that are just like discovering new interactions. Most people aren't looking at that stuff at all in, in that context with forces and physiology. They're still doing like, what's the best way to squat? And, you know, do you, should your knees go past your toes? They're still having like that conversation. And, and it's like, they're still, they're still thinking that like stretching, they're still thinking like stretching is this, this other thing rather than your brain telling you you're near the end of a range of motion with a plyometric action. It's yeah, like, it's, that, that's all it is. <laughs> it's like, it's not magical. <laughs> and people, yeah, people are, think of it as a solution. It's mm. a, well, sensation wise, it can, it can change the sensation that you're feeling, you know, but it doesn't necessarily change what's happening in your body to make that sensation recur. Right. Yeah, it's like you can you can find a whole bunch of analgesics out there. Like analgesics are a dime a dozen. And like whether whether you're having having a cocktail or sitting down with a, a lipper of uh, of of a nice bourbon, or you decide to inject something directly into your joint to alter the internal chemistry of this like the sensors within that joint to detect um, detect different types of of, of stimuli and, and possibly completely melt connective tissue or take even non-steroidal anti-inflammatories to get a, a, a separate signal to a specific area. It's like, they're all different analgesics, all of which you're still, your, your, your sensors are still trying to promote a signal to the brain telling you that the information flow is not correct and that needs to change. You either block the signal or you, or you change the information. Yeah. <laughs> right. And like that's, that's, that's been, that's been what, what I've seen. And just like, 
everything that you're talking about, as far as your, your, your studies go, um, understanding that information flow, understanding the physiology of it and understanding, um, the possibility of how forces interact with that live biological system in real time of which is an open thermodynamic system. It, it takes, it takes signal detection theory. So you know what you're detecting is really what you're detecting. It takes solid data to make sure that like you have a baseline of something because it's like this system may change. And then, like you said, the, the being able, like as the zookeeper, it's like being able to read the organism to say like, when do I need to ask a question? How do I need to interpret that? And then how do we make decisions based upon what I am observing with what I can detect with that needs to be calibrated, either my eyes or my hands or my ears. Yeah, or my eyes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And I think that's that kind of ties back into the whole conversation of the more you know, the more you feel like you don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I certainly have been, uh, as I've been going through this anatomy class, it raises more questions than gives me answers. But the more, rather, the better way to put it is that the more answers I get, the more questions I have. Um, and uh, and the more that I observe, um, especially when I, when I observe Brandon's sessions and just seeing what opens up as he's working with somebody, so, you know, if he's, if he's, um, I'm just going to give a random example, you know, if he opens up range and, you know, back extension and that like ends up giving that somebody instability in their hip adduction, mm -hmm. and then they have pain in this whole other place and being able to go back and, and understand where things have changed and how to bring everything back to equilibrium or bring everything back to homeostasis. Um, it's a, there's a lot that goes into that and, and watching him, I mean, he's got, you know, I know at least 12 years of, of MSS that, that he's been doing. And then probably about 20 years in total of experience. I might have that wrong, but all of the stuff that he's learned over time and all of the things that he's incorporating into like inner, into the single interaction, into this moment, of interaction. It's, it's not even just like, there's, there's no, there's amount of book learning that, that has to be involved in all of this, but there's also a level of intuition hmm. that is, that is unteachable. Yeah. It's just it, really, it's really cool. I love, I love how you mentioned like, okay, there, there are heuristic heuristics that matter. There's data that matters. There's experience that matters, but it's not enough there the ability to take all those pieces and put it together into thinking so that you can create a new solution that has yet to be discovered session by session is that in itself is 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 a huge skill because there's a whether whether those biases creep up on us or not which i'm sure they will i'm like checking those biases understanding like to reset an identity each time that you go in through a session so yes. that they don't carry those 
those preconceived notions in from one person to another. It's like, yeah, so this other person, um, they went through back extension in uh, mm-hmm. on, on a 45 degree or 70 degree slant of a total gym, which then changed up their hip adduction or abduction in a prone um, horizontal you know, like scenario, right? Like, okay, so like, th- does that carry over towards uh, being on a Nautilus nitro adduction, or does that carry over into mm-hmm. like prone on a reverse hyper adduction? And is it unilateral, or what happens if the signal is bilateral? Because each one of those could transfer into like a whole bunch of different bio configurations, and and that's why I love like the rest of this stuff is going to go because when we talk about the structure of a joint next, like when we talk next time. Like I'm hoping to, to go into joint specifics next next show because we go over the basics of a joint. We start th- talking about the specific mechanisms of a joint and how joints behave. The whole idea of like, do we need to be squatting or do we need to be benching or do we need to be like whatever, right? Whatever people want to call whatever exercise it's like, it's it's completely like throwing the baby out with the bath water and a lot of those <laughs> scenarios, because it's like, it doesn't, what are we even talking about? When we, when we know the mechanisms behind this stuff, we can start to view, we can, we can view challenges of exercise in different ways. Is that, um, like that deconstruction thing that yeah, we reverse about. engineer completely, yeah. completely that tool of reverse engineering what would you like? And then all of a sudden, yeah, completely pivotal. That's huge. It's huge. Yeah. It's made. Um, and it's so much fun to figure stuff out Mm. to, to, to make a connection and to, to try stuff until something works and then to have that success and the person to be like, Brujeria, witchcraft. You know, <laughs> and you're like, well, not not really. That like everything everything was pointing us in this direction from this experiment that we're doing. And and it was funny because like one person was like, well, I don't I don't experiment on my clients. I'm like, well, then what are you doing? I'm like, well, what what are you doing? Because each each petition that we do is is like the first part of the suggested challenge is a hypothesis, which is then a part of an experiment. That's really well put. It's true. I guess we don't really think about it like that. It's- so like, if you're not, then even if you don't think you are, you still are. Yeah. Anytime we're interacting with our clients, that makes total sense. We're always taking risks. We're always, mm-hmm. we're always experimenting. You don't know how something is going to go, even if you're pretty sure you know how something is going to go. Right. It, it like that goes hand in hand. Like the other day, um, you know, my, my wife's a type one diabetic and she has a uh, continuous glucose monitor on her in, in uh, the more that I do research into, um, metabolic inflexibility and which supposedly like 85% of Americans are metabolically inflexible, close to like 90%. Um, oh, wow. yeah, something like that. Some crazy really? percentage like that. Like, I don't know where that number came from. It was on a course, um, that, that I took with, um, Ben House and Tom Woods called Bro Research. Interesting blood work. 
it's it's crazy because it's like it's awesome like metabolic <laughs> panel blood work course um and it's called bro research which is it's just a funny name <laughs> and uh but they're they're fantastic it's a great course by the way and um and <laughs> it sounds if, like if, they have an audience <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they definitely have an audience and, and, and it's funny because it's like as 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 um she goes through this uh, continuous glucose monitoring um she's always like well I, I still like to measure my my blood sugar um, with a glucometer because it tells me exactly what I'm where I'm at. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, well, I thought the continuous glucose monitoring would be more accurate, and and it's not because of it being. And I thought about this again. I'm like, okay, and how this ties back into exercise and locality and bioenergetics? It makes a, it makes a whole lot more sense. It's like, okay, the blood is telling you system wide what's happening. Just like if you went and you, mm. you were on a bike and you just biked as hard as you could, the whole system would be dealing with bioenergetics in, in a very different way. Like if you're say on a, um, uh, what are those, what, like a, like one of those salt bikes, right? Where it's got the handles going, it's got the legs going and your whole body is, is being utilized, um, at, for a different energy system where it's like, if I did a lateral raise with a dumbbell or a, um, or cable, it's like there would be more metabolic activity in your shoulder. Well, do you think that different parts of your body are going to utilize substrates differently at different points in times? Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, that makes I mean, you, I wouldn't have thought of that. So then in each one of those time frames, then local energy systems development is going to matter. And that's exactly what we're doing in it, across either a couple of um, couple of systems, right? Like a couple of, um, uh, of movement slash anchoring systems. If we're, if we're setting up a configuration a certain way, it's like, well, how are these energy systems, uh, handling the zero to 10 seconds with the creatine phosphagen? And then from there, from 11 seconds to about a minute and a half to two minutes, how's it handling that glycolysis to give fuel to, to aerobic metabolism going past like that two minute range and are the loads okay in order for it to handle it because the the um the body the, the materials of the body are in good integrity so they can hold up to that and what are they sensing and then can, can they still control it and what is my test to know that they can control it even under the various configurations and conditions Right. And, and like most people don't have that. Yeah, they don't have that that tool. I really I really loved when we were taking the advanced class and we had uh, we were doing that phase two, the phase mm. two assessment stuff where we were where we were we were placing someone under stress mm -hmm. and then retesting and then seeing how long it took to for them to recover. And then we were going back and we were figuring out where something was coming from. So we did a bunch of stuff and then we, we tested, we tested him and we saw that something was off. And then we went back and we were trying all of these, we brought it back and then we were trying all of these different things to see what it was. And it's just, there's, there's no, um, there's no replacement really for data. Like for, to, to, when you've got, information the more information you have about somebody the more powerful um your dosage or your your whatever you choose as an exercise becomes because you mm -hmm. you have you you're 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 choosing based off of what you've seen on that individual you're not just like ah we'll try this 
see how, see what just happens. Wing it. Just going to yeah. wing it. Oh, and, and I love <laughs> the idea. Yeah. And like, and I love the idea that, um, but what you, what you just said, where, you know, when, when we were in the advanced class, um, having, having various positions and exercises that you can see, okay, this person is capable of doing this. What did they feel when they did that? thing, right? Whether it's a press or a pull or a push, or they're holding an arm in a position and it's an isometric, like whatever the challenge is, it's defined. The, their sensations are defined. The, the, um, the load is defined. And then the, the range of motion is also defined at what type of velocity or what type of tempo. So it's like, you have that and then you can see, okay, like how their system react to it. And like, mm -hmm. if you have whatever, whatever, is reliable for for that individual to be able to then say, oh, I I know uh, based upon how they feel and based upon the stability of their system, how I test it. We just have a very specific way of testing that as a muscle system specialist that is unique to that way. There's other ways to do it. It's just there's a, a way that's unique to the muscle system specialist. And, and that's, what's been so intriguing. It, at least, at least that's been intriguing for me. And it sounds like it was really intriguing for you as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, exercise is such a powerful tool. It's, it's just, it's so potent. And we really, as exercise professionals need to really understand what kind of tool we have in our hands yeah. and, and, being able to go back and and really know a person and get we can't look inside of them to mm -hmm. know what's happening in their system but we can see how their system reacts to the things that we're doing and then we can we can we have the ability to help someone in such a such a profound way if we just watch observe listen and experiment a little bit based yeah. off of what we're seeing. I think that's a, that's a great place to, to wrap up the show. I think like, um, if exercise is, is, uh, your, is someone's modality that's listening to this, um, learning more about forces, learning about, more about anatomy, learning more about physiology, um, and especially a lot of the literature that's out there now for free on PubMed, because it's like there's a ridiculous amount of open access journals right now that's talking about fatigue, uh, what happens at various states of fatigue, uh, different modes of contraction, how different modes of contraction um, are incorporated by different um, different neural mechanisms, because like um, what would be defined as eccentric contraction versus concentric contraction versus different modes of isometrics are con controlled in different ways. And then also understanding the various types of sensory feedback loops, um, especially the majority negative feedback loops within a system can affect uh, strength, perception, and then also agency, level of agency. Um, it, it's There's so much out there right now to completely change the norm of exercise and especially get get the uh get out of the adage of choreography and into uh, advanced problem solving because the sensory motor system combined with um, motor output is such a powerful way to change information in a system so um i, I really look forward to next week in talking about joint structure and function and starting to talk about some of these these mechanisms um and some of the structures so that we can start talking about 
it's specifically towards exercise. That sound cool? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me, Mel. Where can people find you? Um, I, you can find me. I've, I'm not really on social media. Um, so I, so can, you can't find me. I, no. <laughs> <laughs> I should make, I should become a little bit more active there. Um, you can find me, uh, at Austin muscle restoration. Um, so the handle for their Instagram is at Austin muscle restoration. Um, and, uh, they usually, put a camera in front of me and make me do things. So you can <laughs> technically find me there, <laughs> but you can also see all of the really incredible stuff that, um, that Brandon and Steven are doing too. Um, we like to post some nerdery and things like that. Fabulous. Hey, if anyone wants to know, um, if I post some of the stuff on Instagram, it'll be at BizBody. Thank you all for joining me on the show, joining me. Thank you all for joining us on the show today. Um, every other Every other Thursday, we're going to be having a conversation, Mel and I, about different stuff. Um, until next time, everyone. See you then. See you. Thanks.